everyone who's listening. Welcome to Simple Parenting in Queens, a safe place where we like to connect with everyday families doing extraordinary things. Raising a child truly takes a village, and we want to build a community where we can all relate and connect with one another to make this journey even more memorable and enjoyable. I am your host, Cecia Falcon, and I run a family daycare program for 10 years. Besides working with young children over the years, I have loved creating a bond with every family that has been with us thus far. So this podcast is dedicated to all you busy parents. I know you guys are doing all your best to raise your children. Thank you for listening. My guest today is the Moore family. Drew and Tanya are the incredible parents of three children. They have two girls and a boy. In this episode, we talk about how they met, the morning routine, how they're able to keep their friendships, how to deal with loss and grief, and much more. Thank you for listening and enjoying our first episode. Thank you for welcoming me to your house. And, you know, it's a Friday night and you're home with three kids. And, you know, I really appreciate the time because it's a lot of work. You were just telling me that you woke up at 4.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So how was your day like today? So I had to get up, get all of this together, <laughs> try to clean up a little bit. Get Axel actually woke up in the middle of the night and came in our bed. So Skylar, Axel, all of them, almost all of them were in our bed. Drew slept in her bed. So I was halfway out the bed all night anyway. So I just woke up. Got ready for work, had to be to work by seven, left everybody with daddy, <laughs> he fixed hair, he fixed breakfast, he put their clothes on, he packed their bags, he did everything while I ran off to work. And then work was just really, really long today. A lot of the work at BET and a lot of the talent that I've produced for the show, like They were late, they were behind oh, schedule, so our day, usually we shoot from like 7 a.m. to 11, and we didn't wrap to like 1 o'clock today, so it was just wow. brutal. It was a long day. And you did all that before 8 a.m., before Daddy has to drop off Skylar and, what's her? Drew. And Drew? Mm -hmm. That's a lot. It's just, you're already over your day, you know, by 8 So I just want to back up a little bit, and I'm always very intrigued about how people meet. So what's your story? Like, how did you guys meet, <laughs> and when? So it was back, yeah, I'd say late 2010. A close friend, mutual friend. 2009. 2009, okay. Yeah, it was December. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. Like, late December 2010. 2010. And mutual friend flies up, invited me out to a holiday party. Brooklyn. I remember meeting them on the side of the road at some supermarket. Fast forward through the night, we talked, and that was it for Honestly, that's like a real brief. He's, yeah, he's leaving out a few fun details. <laughs> so it was December 2010, you guys met, and when do you start dating? December 2010. <laughs> A couple of days later, pretty so, much, we started hanging out. Yeah, we started hanging out, and we just rolled into month after month. Yeah. Okay, so it's just like naturally, you just yeah, kept seeing like, each other, and then yeah. you guys just built the relationship. How did you decide, like, he was the one or she was the one? How did that come to be? 
I would say mostly, I don't think you really know, but I just think you just, you really, it's how the moments, you know, day after day, you know, are falling apart. So it's not like you say, this is the one, this is, you know, it's just, right. so, it's happened naturally. Yes, and three kids later. Yes. yes, it seems pretty fast. Like eight years, three kids. So, did you guys get married first, or and then we did everything out of order? Okay. So <laughs> what was so, the story? What is the story? One cool part I want to say is when we met, the holiday party that we met at was at my old apartment. My roommate, I had moved out, and mm-hmm. my roommates that I was living with were still there. And she was like, oh, can you come help me having this holiday party? You know, because I actually started the tradition of having a holiday party with my roommates. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, fine. And so we met in my old apartment because it was like a little holiday house party. It was cute. Um, It was my roommate's sister who introduced me to him. My old roommate's sister because he's friends with her sister. So you were saying it was your sister's roommate. My roommate's sister. You were my sister. Okay. And... So we met, we started talking all that night, and then the next day he asked me out for lunch, and then we were hanging out ever since, and then I actually was working in Atlanta when we met. I was just home for just the holidays, and like maybe like two weeks after we met, I had to go back to Atlanta for like four months. So it started out as like a long-distance kind of relationship. So you went to Atlanta. Is that where you're from? Mm-mm. Oh. I was just working down there. Oh, okay. And so he would come visit me every couple of weeks. And I feel like a couple of months I came home for like my birthday. And so it was like, a, it was a little long distance in the beginning. And then when I was finally home, home, it was like, all right, we're, I guess we're together now. And then, <laughs> and then like 10 months into knowing each other and dating, we got pregnant. So, 10 months. 10 months. Yeah. And so. So, how I, did you break the news? Did we you had plan a party. Cute and, we did. And you we had a party. Okay. We, we, well, we told his family over Thanksgiving because we met that December and I found out I was pregnant in October. And then we waited, went to the doctor and all the other stuff, made sure everything <laughs> was fine. And then that Thanksgiving, we told his family over dinner. And then the next day, like on Black Friday, we had like a little house party at my apartment and we invited out my, you know, the rest of our family, some friends over and we just kind of had like a, like we tricked them. It was cute. We had like a little picture on the refrigerator and it said, we're having a baby. So every time people would come over, they, we'd be like, oh, go in the refrigerator, go get something to drink. And then they would look and they'd go, oh my God. So that was like our way. Whose idea was that? Both of us, really. Because we were like, we don't want to tell people what they're really here for. Uh-huh. We want to surprise them. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Yeah. You know, some people look at the fridge. Yeah, we look, uh, who, look at the like, fridge. completely freaked out? Who was the one that... Oh, my brother freaked out. <laughs> and my roommate, my old roommate who introduced us, she started crying. And I'm trying to think who was freaked out. Because his family knew already. A year to the day that we met, he proposed. We were in Aruba. So I was about two months pregnant when he proposed. Well, um, how did you plan the proposal? I was a couple of weeks prior, had invited all my boys out and my brother and pretty much told him. And that was really like a really like a snapshot of 
one was done. You took uh, your boys with there? Yeah. I did not know that. We all went out, had drinks and whatever the case may be. And I know somewhere in the city. I know we met in the city. And I was really, you know, I told everybody and it was just like, you know, we support you and, you know, you're doing the right thing. So that was a so positive about it. That's um, nice. Yeah. Now that you say your voice, a lot of people, they say when, you know, they get married, do you still keep in touch with, like, your friends or the dynamic is different? Yeah, all the time. My core friends is, um, actually, some I went to school. Actually, I have, like, two core. My high school friends and then my college friends were, you know, my college, my high school was, like, all split up, but some of them I actually still work with. And then my um, college friends, which you've pretty much been you know, close since, well, I can't remember the year, but over at least over 10, 10 years 10 or so. Years. So we still try to, you know, manage to get up, you know, once or twice a month. Wow, yeah. that's good. That's really and a good. lot of our friends have kids now, so it's just one big family. Like, we're always inviting each other to, like, our kids' birthday parties. And as long as they, you know, respect your marriage, like, they're a lot of times they're going to become friends with your spouse too. Like if they're real, like all of my really good friends consider my husband a friend of theirs too. So, and I feel like I've become friends with a lot of his friends just because we all hang out together and, you know, like, and you need your friends. Like you need people that, like he said, that you can lean on when you don't want to be a parent and you don't feel like thinking about, you know, just your, your everyday cycle like and plus it's like your friends make up so much of who you are like they're literally your chosen family so to just not be friends with somebody just because you got married is is kind of crazy <laughs> unless like i said unless it it's a it's a situation where it's like it's disrespectful to your marriage then i could that i can understand That's true. but if people respect your marriage and they respect your union they respect your family like there's no need to not be friends with that person right so as long as they're real friends, like we're talking about really mm. good friends, you can lean them. Even though you probably haven't seen them in months, but you know you can, you know, get in touch and then they can help you out with whatever you're going through and will respect you, then that's good. Mm -hmm. How do you find those friends that would respect you? Or is it, or you, like you said, maybe you choose them mm -hmm. depending on what, like what characteristics? I would say most of my core friends prior to me settling down and everything, it's, they've been there. So, like, nothing really changed, really, besides just not hanging out every single weekend, you know? That's, That's about true. it. But, honestly, our text message, our group that we have, it's, like, from the jokes to, like, all that stuff just keeps you keeps you going, you know? We talk about everything from politics to, you know, working out to, like, everything, you know? So, it's, it's like another outlet, even though we're not, Every old every day or physically, around, physically together, but right. we're around enough because it's a simple message. We read it, we answer back. It, it's like you being in front of a person, you know. So I don't know. So you give it some time, yeah, mm -hmm. you know. I think oh, having the technology we have now, it's pretty yeah, easy it's pretty to easy, you know? maintain that relationship. And I think it who you start to actually make the effort to hang out with, like that changes a little bit when you do get married and have kids because. Your single friends who want to party till four or five in the morning don't understand how tired you are and <laughs> that you can't hang because you're exhausted. So, like, we just went on a couple's trip with 
two other couples. One couple has three kids, just like us, and another couple is expecting. So you naturally kind of, your circle changes a little bit, not even on purpose, but that person has always been your friend. Like the people we went with was Drew's best friend who he's been, he was friends with in college. They were roommates, right? So it's like, like you kind of grow. Yeah, they grow find their way back to you. Yeah, like they might, you know, be living the single life here and there. But once they become parents and they, you start to have a lot more in common and they start to share experiences or they come to you for advice. Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm part of the club, too. Now I'm about to have a kid. Like, tell me what to do. So you naturally just start talking more and giving each other more advice and gravitating towards each other and wanting to do things as a, you know, one big group because, we have kids and we have kids. And so it's just a lot easier because everyone understands everybody's situation. It's like, you know, the single friend is like, I want to party is not going to understand. Well, if we bring our kids on vacation, we're going to be tired and we got to do this and we got to do that. So it's a lot easier, I think, when you have a group of people that know they understand because they're also going through it right. too. So our friends, they you know, they change a little bit, but you still always have those friends that when you don't feel like being a parent, you just want to be, you know, just want to party and have fun and, you know. So you mentioned that you talk to your friends about everything. Politics kind of jumped out to me now mm-hmm. that we're going through, you know, a lot of things every day. Like you just, even if you don't watch the news, you already know what's going on. How do you keep the relationships, even though maybe your friends have a different opinion on any current events or any situations? So how do you discuss them I think we're pretty respectfully, op- I guess? I think we're pretty open as far as respecting views. You know, some of it's quite similar. We definitely see things from both sides. So we definitely bounce off ideas or you'll give, you know, support and dot, like, information behind what we're saying. You know, just, just spark that conversation. And that, you know, just to be able to get your mind open. And I think it's, it's helpful, you know, because you That's can only, you can hear one side and like we have. We have two different networks that we could actually watch that would give two, have the same story, but two different viewpoints, you know, and it's, it's how you take it, how you see it, you know. So if you can actually understand both sides and actually have your own, you know, approach and narrative to, you know, the whole idea of whatever is going on you know not to dive in exactly what we're dealing with now but just it just opens your mind it keeps you you know current and keep your perspective open to you know so you're not just so close-minded because sometimes people, i know a lot of people that don't watch tv you mention a name and they really like they hear it but they have no idea what what's going, what's going on. on you know in depth where do you get your news from usually is it tv do you still watch tv you know now it's a mixture of you know a little bit of see. I try to turn the tune in a little bit, mostly either podcasts or you know if I look at you know, about work, I see a little the news flashes, try to read up on it, and you know try to put a little, a little different articles, whether it's you know Daily News, the Times, CNN, whatever the case may be. I try to mm-hmm. like pick and you know just look up different storylines. And, you know, do you make a specific time? Okay, this is my time to see what's going on in the world, or because as a parent, you know you're pretty busy. Like you right. just the kids and then work and that's it. Well, the good thing about it with the cell phones now, I have a, a news section, uh-huh. so I usually get a lot of alerts, okay. and I can just briefly read what's going on, and you know you can compare. It actually gives you if it's one particular article, it give you several different articles oh. under that whatever whatever particular topic you're looking at, which is good. So you have an idea looking to navigate. You know which storylines you want to read. If they all seem similar with just different twists, you could you know easily you know depict 
exactly which idea you want to, you know, entertain. Right. But. That's good. It's very yeah. convenient. Now, how is your routine like usually? You were explaining it to me earlier. So you wake up earlier because you have to be at work at 4.30. I mean, no. You seven. wake up at four thirty. You have to be at work at seven, and then he goes in later and takes care of all the kids. That's what I got from. Are there any tips for uh, anyone listening that has, you know, school age kids that need to get them just out of the door? Like, do you do a, prepare snacks the night before? Yes. You wake up I'm, earlier. Like, what are your little I'm tips? Just to starting to do that. <laughs> so I can say last year was a um, it was a transition. Even though this this school is within minutes of, you know, where we live. It was a challenge because you had to realize the importance of starting a little earlier. You know, we started before closer to you know, that seven PM I mean seven AM mark and that hour goes by and you blink it's over. Next you know you're out the house at eight fifteen, eight twenty and then the kids are late. You know? So I will say this year, for at least for the first month, it's been a lot better because now that alarm is going off at Closer to 5 a.m., you know, things just like managing as far as like having the clothes laid out for the day. You know, my focus is already making sure they have something to eat before they leave the house. That's my biggest thing. Dressed, ready, and then by, you know, give a 15, 20 minute time period, in which case I have to get myself ready just to rush out and then they on time. So I'll say for the first month, it's been pretty good as far as like managing that, which I'm happy because it was kind of brutal. Last, last year, last year, I had three locations to drop at last oh, year. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? So one was in schools. kindergarten, the other one was in pre-k, and the other one's in daycare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was three. Three. Drop, now bro. it's two because the first one, both of them go to the same school now. School now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it also because they're a little older? As understanding more that you know, mm. we do need to get out of the house earlier. I think they know too, and they know if they're in the house too long now. They're like, okay, uh, something ain't right. You know, they just they will tell me they're like, are you ready to go now? Because they know snow is a little bit too long. So they know they're used to that. Mm-hmm. And we have to, uh, you know, and so if it's a little longer than expected, they'll tell me like, okay, it's time to go. And we know you're early today. Don't worry. Oh, and they wow. can tell time now, so they're like, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> Do you try to get ready yourself first and then the girls? His mom actually taught me that trick. She's like, because I remember when our kids were younger, I would get them dressed all pretty. And then I would like wait to the last minute to like get myself dressed. And she was like, girl, those kids will mess up all of their clothes by the time you get dressed. And then you got to dress them all over again. So get yourself ready first. Get them dressed last. And then... They'll the keep their clothes nice and clean before they walk out the door. And I was like, that makes so much sense because <laughs> it happens a lot. Like when, especially when you have younger kids, like Axel, you know, he's two. So getting him dressed by the time, you know, if I get him dressed first and then I try to go get myself together by the time I'm ready, he's spilled something on his clothes already. So it's like, all right, let me wait, get me f- together first, take care of me. And then I'll get you ready. Okay. That's good. That's, that's a pretty good tip from mother-in-law, grandma. How is it? Um, how does how do you guys maintain that good relationship? Because I'm guessing if you're taking advice from her and it works, I'm thinking, you know, you do respect her, and you know, going to love her. Yeah, she's she's. I don't. My mom is gone
mother and daughter. We've bumped heads before and we've hugged it out. And I have cried in this woman's arms. She has wiped my butt when I was giving birth. Like she, we bonded uh, on a whole nother level. So she's like, that's, that's my world just as much as, you know, my kids. It, they love their grandmother, and honestly, that's their only grandparent that they have. So they From both sides, mm-hmm. she's the only one. They adore her, and she adores them. And just seeing their love makes me so happy. Like, cause I never had a grandparent really growing up. Mm-hmm. My, my father's, um, my mom's mother died before I was born. I got to know my grandfather when I was in like middle school, but then he passed away. And my dad's mom, he wasn't super, super close with her, but she, by the time I got to know her, she like passed away shortly after. So it makes, it just fills my heart to see like my kids have such a great relationship with their grandmother and for her to pour so much love on them. Like I know like it's as a mother, like to when you're going away on vacation or if you're out of town or if your husband can't, you know, take care of the kids because he's busy, like to know that you can have somebody that you can trust uh, thousand percent with your kids is like a big weight off of your shoulders that's That's very true you mentioned that your mom is not alive anymore Uh, what happened when when did she pass away so both my parents actually passed away in 2006 so my dad passed away first in january and then two months later my mom passed she had diabetes and it gave her kidney failure so yeah that's very fast. Mm-hmm. And they were both pretty young. They were not, they weren't even and they 16. they died from the same thing. No, my dad had his liver burst, like, one, oh, day. yeah. Wow. It's just. And do you have any siblings? I have a lot of siblings. <laughs> I am the youngest of 12. 12? Yes. One mom? One mom. One mom? She was married three times, but one mom. Okay. So she has three sets of kids with, like, each husband. I think she So you think that was maybe because of you know, her giving birth so many times. I'm pretty sure that took a toll on her body. Her family was from the South, so they didn't really grow up. They grew up eating soul food. So, you know, like you eat that your entire life, you're going to get diabetes because it's, it's like sugary, it's salty, it's greasy. It's, you know, and they she literally spent her whole life eating like that. And so it just, you know, that coupled with, the, you know, the stress on her body from having so many kids and just stress from life from work and you know and relationships and stuff like that and I'm pretty sure a lot of that took a toll on her body and then you know eventually she you know she didn't really work out like that or you know she tried to do like herbs and and natural remedies and stuff but you know it just it was it's a lot it is it is a lot so how did you overcome I mean there's no but there's nothing to overcome it but how did you deal with you know, so many, so, so much, basically, to lose all both your parents, basically, in one year? Mm-hmm. It took a long time. I I tried a lot of different things. Like, I tried therapy. I tried going to ballet classes. I tried, I tried traveling. I tried, I tried a lot of different things. I tried church. You know, I went to church. I actually went to a few different churches. And a few different therapists. And then eventually I just, I don't know. I think I eventually I, I found the right church to me because um, I think that's super important. 
Because a lot of people will tell you, oh, go to church, God will heal you and all that right. stuff. But every church isn't the right church for you. And I found That's the true. one that I felt spoke to me, like the, our preacher. And actually, my husband is a member of this, the church, too. And we didn't know before we met that we were oh, both members. Okay. So you found a church before mm-hmm. being together. And, and then you found out you guys were in the mm-hmm. same church. That's cool. It's a big, it's a pretty big church. And but then, you would say it's, it, would, it would be a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And the the preacher there, he's more like a life coach than than a preacher. Like he ministers, but he really like life coaches too. So I think that had a lot to do with my healing process because mm-hmm. it was like uh, it felt like I was going to therapy while I was at church. So that helped for me a lot. And then just being around good friends and good family, and just you know living my life and accepting that like that's not a pain that you can just forced to go away just because you want it to go away. You have to just let it kind of ride its course. And so each day, like you just accept that, you know, you just take, take it one day at a time. Like it, it gets, it never gets, it never goes away, but it does get easier to bear because you start to accept loss. You start to understand, you know, and then I think for me in particular, like becoming a mother gave me like, that was healing for me because I still felt like I had a piece of my mom in each of my kids. That's like, true. so yeah, it was like, I look at my daughter, Skylar, and I'm like, you look like my mother. Like it's crazy. She acts like her. <laughs> it's crazy. And so, and I dream about her all the time. I see her. I know her spirit is strong. It's still with me. So that, that gives me comfort. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned a lot of things. Was there like one little thing specifically that you would say kind of helped you? Like, was it a turning point that, because to accept something that difficult is pretty hard. You know, you don't want to accept it. You want to deny it. But was it like a turning point where you said, okay, you know, I'm ready to accept it and just take it one day at a time. Cause right now you mentioned everything like so well mm-hmm. and so good. Like you got it in the bag. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure when you were going through that, it wasn't that way. So was there something that really helped or was it like little things? I know for me, I feel like the turning point was work. Like I started, I poured myself into work and I started to realize like, all right, you know, your parents are gone, but what are you going to do with your life? Like, what are you going to do? What, what did they bust their tails to, you know, get you through college and all that other stuff for like, how do you, how are you going to repay them? And I found my dream job. Like I I got the job in Atlanta right before I met him, um, working with Tyler Perry. And is that what you're doing now? No. Okay. But so um, first that was your dream job. Yeah. It was, do you think it was like a sign? It, oh, definitely. It was, and, and I know it was because my mom, when she was alive, she used to always be like, you should go work for Tyler Perry. You should go work for Tyler Perry. <laughs> and out of the blue, I get a call to like come and, and apply for this job with him in his studio. And then- I ended up getting the job and it was like, I had no choice but to, to heal. Cause it's like, you can miss out on such amazing opportunities if you're stuck in grief and if you're not letting yourself just live, like, you know, and I found healing in, in me, like in, in focusing on being what my mom wanted me to be and being what my dad, you know, fought for me to be like, and trying to make them proud versus being so sad about the fact that they weren't with me, just making sure like I continue their legacy. And then what made me heal even more was after, right after I found that job, I found him. 
And so it was like, you know, for a while I felt like kind of lonely, like, all right, now I have my dream job, but I don't have anybody to share it with. And literally like, we were not looking for each other. Like, like he said, he was just going to a party. I was just helping out my friend and then we run into each other. And it's like, and I actually, it's so funny because I thought he was there for my friend because she's really tall. <laughs> so she's like six. You always think the other person. Yeah, she's like six feet tall because she's the model. And I'm like, oh, she finally found a tall guy. And then he starts flirting with me. And I'm like, you're, you're talking to me? And so, yeah, so then it's like every good thing that I had been praying for just started to really like unfold in my life. And that was healing for me. I think that was a huge turning point. Cause it's like, all right, what are you going to do with all of these blessings? You got the job, you got the guy, you got a little bit of money. Like you're going to still be sad or are you going to enjoy the life that God has for you? And so right. I chose to enjoy it. And then we definitely couldn't have imagined like that soon in our relationship that we would, you know, get pregnant and have a baby. But then it just like it was it wasn't our plan. It was all God's plan, seriously. Like and then Drew is like our first adult, our firstborn. All of our kids are amazing, but like she blew us away with how amazing of a kid she is. Like she was great. Like she was easy. She was smart. She challenged us and she, we couldn't have asked for like a better a better better firstborn. Yeah, better firstborn. When you found out you were gonna be a dad did you have an idea of what that was going to be like? Oh, I'm going to be this type of dad and I'm going to be doing this. No, I just, my main focus was just preparing myself to not have to, I had a lot of friends that, you know, had kids and they struggled. And my biggest thing was not struggling. It was, you know, I'll just, you know, you're going through different careers and you're like, okay, now you have a kid. And you used to take care of yourself. Now you're like, you got to take care of not just yourself. You got to take care of your family. You got to take care of, the child care and all that stuff just started like circle in my head and I was like, you know, I gotta make sure this is is a cushion. You know? So once that cushion is there, I'm I'm okay. So you worked three jobs. And uh, what were they? Do you remember? I was at a school doing uh admissions work and also was at the MBA doing production and then it was also financial analysis for Fidelity. Oh um, you said you had an MBA in where did you go to school? Uh, Dallin College. So I played ball out in Long Island and also coached and also worked at the school, which helped me get my master's in oh, business. So you know a little bit about financial planning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what would you give advice? Like, what would be like one thing? Let's say I'm in super in debt and I already have kids and I'm trying, you know, even though I have one or two jobs, it's really not cutting it. Like, what would you think would be your priority, priorities, I guess, financially to get out of that situation? I would say try to reduce the things that you don't need. Start there first. You know, a lot of people try to keep up with their normal routine of, you know, shopping nonstop and just doing things because like that's their therapy type, you know, they just so used to putting themselves first. I would say you have to remove yourself out of the situation and just really cut out things that's going to have you feeling like you just can't get your head out of that under the water. Once you do that, I think things get a lot much easier. And, so it starts in your head. Yeah, it starts in your head first. Just really, and then really just sit down and budget yourself. You know, okay, X Y Z. You need X Y amount for this week, and you can have a little slush fund if you want to do decide to go out. 
it won't hurt you if you want to take a trip or something like that. So as long as you know you within that range of not having zero at the end of the week, you know, you're fine. But as long as you be able to manage yourself week after week, month after month and stick to it, I think it'd be fine. You know, also don't eat out as much, especially for lunch. That adds up big mm-hmm. time, you know, because <laughs> 15 here, 15, and you don't realize it. And then, Unless you have enough coming in that could, you know, supplement you. Like, even for now, like, I'm doing uh, real estate and also working for the city. You know, it's, it's a lot of work, okay. you know, but. So, even now you have two jobs, basically. Yeah, two and how do you manage time for each other with two jobs, waking up before in the morning, mm-hmm. having the three kids? You were mentioning that tomorrow they have like a ballet class or dance yeah. class. Mm-hmm. So what is like your tip? Because I think you two like have a really good relationship. Mm. So what tips would you give anyone like kind of feeling like they're disconnecting from, you know, the other for their spouse? Run away. You need to to come back. We run away from our kids. (laughs) We literally, we take breaks. Like, like I said, we just came back from vacation and we didn't take the kids with us. It was just a couple's trip. And that was like, we do... Well, I guess you could say now we do this every year, like around, we try to take one big couple's trip. With so once a friends. year you go away, mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. far no away, kids, okay. like out the country. <laughs> so we, and on a day-to-day basis, I guess. What you yeah, and every day is, there, is there like a Netflix movie at the end of the day yeah, and falling asleep through it? Pretty much. We squeeze um, it in, yeah. It's tough, though, I ain't gonna lie. It's tough to even say, okay, let's go out to dinner or something like that. It's, it's yeah, being you home, can't being always home do is that. So being home, home is good for me. I'm, yeah, a, I'm good you at look being forward home. to being home. Just being home. Just relaxing. If I get 20 minutes to just take a nap, just to recharge. Like, like Little things like that just make That's things. True. Enough know. sleep. We kind of, I guess, I don't know what they call it, but like we do like our, our dates. Like we Netflix and chill, I guess. We do that. Like, for instance, like, if you weren't here tonight, we probably would have got some wine, you know, ordered some pizza and when the kids went to sleep, drink, you know, watch some TV show we've been trying to catch up on and just lay in the bed and just drink some wine and just kind of hang out. And that's that's like and going to the movies it. for us. Yeah. And we do it tomorrow. <laughs> do it tomorrow. Do, it, do tomorrow. it again tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> well, you guys that seem pretty young. How old are you? 34. I'm 37. 37? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I would consider that young. So how do you decide that you wanted a family? Because nowadays a lot of people don't want kids and they don't want to settle down. They don't, you know, even though they're in their 30s and they maybe should. I mean, you know, timing is different for everyone. But how did you think that this is like the life that you wanted? Because you guys are pretty happy, even though it's super crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you're pretty happy Honestly. family. It wasn't planned. Okay. It wasn't planned. And I know from friends, I have friends that even in long relationships, and I think personally, even knowing them, it's just they're not ready to give themselves up, you know, to be that parent. You know, okay. it's, it's a lot of work. They see me do it, and they, well, you take your kids to school every day. Like, you, you record them, you do this. Like, yeah, because I enjoy it. You know, it's how you 
take what you created and you know how you make it into your own world and still be able to manage. And actually, a lot of people, I get a lot of praises for it. You know, because a lot of people they don't see themselves doing it because they just so I don't think self centered. They just you know selfish. Right, yeah. They don't just little things. You know, encouraging they, they they child every day before they go to school or. You know, sitting actually investing the time into them. A lot of them, a lot of people don't do it, and they, and actually, it speaks volume to who they are. You know, so me personally, I know for a fact that I take pride in it. You know, that's mm-hmm. if I don't do it, then I know I'm not doing something right, and it also keeps me my mind working. I'm always like try to keep that creative side of me going, and the kids give it that perfect platform to do that's it. True. So. That's I think a lot true. of people get scared to have kids because they feel like they're gonna lose themselves to parenthood. Like they're yeah, gonna wake like I gotta up one give up myself. Yeah, that. like they're gonna wake up one day else. and just be like, "Well, all I am is just a mom, or all I am is just a dad." But we find like so much joy in being parents because also like we see our kids picking up our personality and and picking up all of the good things that we do love about each other, <laughs> and so it's like. Like he said, like he takes the kids to school every day. He, he, like he, he's being modest. Drew is like a super dad. Like I know, and I, know I watch like, him he's a super cross the street dad. with three little ones, and I'm like, and, wow. And I know lot. he picked up a lot of good stuff from his dad, from the stories that I've heard from his siblings and his mom. And it's like people like him, like you, when you grow up with with great examples of like what it is to have a, a good dad or a good mom. Like you, I think in your brain tell yourself like I gotta be as good as that you know as my mom or I gotta be as good as my dad or even better and then I know for me like when we did decide to have kids I looked at how I was raised and like some of the things that I did love that my parents did some of the things that I didn't like that I'm like all right I'm not gonna do that like give my kids crappy food all the time Mm -hmm. but you take it and I don't know like it's you make parenthood like your own like and it's and I think we do inspire a lot of people because they see us still, you know, going out and having fun and living our life and not just feeling like weighed down by parenthood. That's like true. we enjoy it. Like our kids enjoy it with us. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. It's crazy. It really like is, you said, it's crazy. It's true. But it's fun. <laughs> At the it's end very of the day, crazy. it's fun. Having good kids helps too. That's true. On the lighter notes, you guys have like, Really cool, amazing art in your apartment. Who's like the creative daddy? This is mine. Those are his. All the pictures are him. And he took all of those pictures, the ones I showed you in on the from Easter and It's a lot more. That it's a lot more. So we more. were just painting so we took it. some down. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you would say he's more involved into like the decor area and you're more into the cleaning or is it like 1550? I really like put my mind to it. I can actually, you know, get the decoration thing going. I do have a lot of ideas. I just got to make sure it comes out. I do. I literally have probably over 20,000 photos that I can actually That's true. Nowadays we have so many pictures. It's no joke. You know, I, I take pictures of them nonstop. I'm the organizer, so the shoe rack and the folders and the calendar, that's me. Like, I like order, so I'm all, and I know how chaotic. Yeah, I can tell, like, everything's on its yeah. place, and it has its own little space. Everything's very cute. So try to post pictures for the show notes for that, because mm-hmm. I, I really like that apartment. How do you guys make it work? Is this a two-bedroom? Mm-hmm. 
how do you make it work with like three kids? It's basically five people in a, a, a small, yeah. yeah, a small apartment. It's so funny because when we first got pregnant, we had this big house. <laughs> and, yeah, we had a big house in Jersey, and it was just true. And then we moved back to Brooklyn. We had a three bedroom, and it was Drew and Skylar. Like that third bedroom was like their playroom. And then we moved to Queens because we it was more peaceful like neighborhood it was way more kid friendly to us it, well at least to me and the apartments were to me a little bit more spacious than the ones we had in brooklyn and but yeah and and axel so he's still little so like he's he's always in our bed <laughs> like it's right. always he doesn't require a lot of space. space yeah but we make it work like the girls have their bunk beds that they barely sleep in because they all end up in our bed anyway and we spend, to be honest with you, I feel like we spend a lot of time out the house. Like the girls have gymnastics on Wednesdays. They have dance on Saturdays. We have work. They have aftercare. And then when we're not home, like, out, well, not during the week, but like on the weekends, we're always doing something like it's always somebody's birthday party or baby shower. Or we're going to visit grandma. So it's like, this is, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's tiny. It's, it's our space, but we're, we're honestly not here all the time all the time and you know i've heard a lot of people that are have they're millionaires and they actually have they move out of the big house to be in a new york city apartment and they say the biggest benefit that they've noticed is that they get to see each other mm -hmm. like oh my kids are not talking to each other i would have never thought that this would happen like they see all the side effects of you know living close as well as, like, for me, I like small and cozy all mm -hmm. the time. Like, that's my personality. So, like, I really, really love the apartment. For a while, we, I think we purposely only had one television. So, it was, like, you like the kids don't have a TV in their room on purpose. Because it's, like, if they did, they would never talk to us. <laughs> they would never talk to each other. And it's, like, it forces you to, like, come together and agree on what to watch and share the same experience of what you're watching. So, you can have something maybe to talk about later. That's true. Yeah. And it builds a good solid foundation as they're growing up mm -hmm. now that they're so little, you know. Did you have any else you want to share about being a parent in Queens? You've lived in a couple of cities, but mm -hmm. how is that being a parent in Queens different? I would say just for the area. I could definitely say, at least over here, it's definitely... Besides hearing the highway, you can actually hear the highway. But it's mostly just more peaceful, it's quiet. You know, you don't really have too much, you know, the ambulance noise or the police sirens. So you know, it's at night. It's pretty peaceful. You know, and it's and everything is within arm's reach. You know, if you want to go to the supermarket, you want to go to the Rain Reed, whatever, whatever store is is literally within arm's reach, which is pretty good. Tremendously, tremendously diverse over here. You know, which is great. I think because it's just so much different cultures, and you don't really find that in everywhere you go. You know, it's either one heavily populated area. You know, so over here it's pretty diverse. Everybody gets along pretty much. I was just about to say that I feel like in Queens, like it's more of a community here. Like in Brooklyn, it was like we knew our neighbors who lived like downstairs from us, but like for the most part, like anyone that lived like around, like in different apartments, or like we didn't know anybody. He grew up in Brooklyn, but I'm just talking about, like, when we became parents. And, like, here, like, 
our neighbors watch our kids. They, you know, if we leave laundry downstairs, they're folding our stuff for us because they know that we're tired and we probably left the laundry down there because we're too exhausted to come down there. So it's been so many times where like I've come down there and the neighbors just like folded our stuff and put it on the table for us or literally like our next door neighbor, she'll knock on our door like, I miss the kids. Can they come over and hang out? We'll be like, yes, like take them. (laughs) And then, yeah, like we never had that before. And, you know, it's just, and it's for me, like, like he said, like everything is so accessible. Like their gymnastics school is like 10 minutes away from here. And yeah. And their school is right there. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me. I know it's been a little difficult with all the kids jumping in and out, but I totally had fun. So hopefully we get to do it again. <laughs> it was peaceful. They didn't yeah. do too much. Yeah, no, they were great. I honestly yeah, thought it quiet. was going to be. I think the pizza helped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Tani and Drew. Dad loves to share their morning walks with his three children on Instagram. So check him out at Mr. Drew NYC. That's MR. D-R-E-W-N-Y-C. Thank you to the Moore family for allowing me in your home and schedule this interview on a Friday night. I really appreciate the time and the trust given.